You are listening to the audio portion of the QB Power Hour webinar series. The QB Power Hour is a free bi-weekly webinar series for accounting professionals presented by Michelle Long and Dan DeLong, who are very passionate about the industry, QuickBooks, and apps that integrate with QuickBooks. You can find out all the details about the webinar series at qbpowerhour.com. So without further ado, here's Michelle and Dan. Welcome, everybody, to another QB Power Hour. I'm very glad to have you all joining us today. Um, and thank you. I know it's busy time of the year for everybody, so I'm very glad to have you all joining us. Today's topic is very relevant for you all, especially as you're working on your year-end clients. We're going to talk about common mistakes and how to fix them. Um, and Dan and I will be talking about both desktop and line. So thank you for joining us. My name is Michelle Long. I'm a CPA with an MBA in entrepreneurship, owner of Long for Success, thrilled to be a trainer for Intuit, a contract trainer for Intuit for many years, author of five different books. You can check those out on Amazon. Also, I'd encourage you to join us for the, uh, on the Facebook group out there. You can see the link out there. I'd love to have you join us for that. Dan, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, my name is Dan DeLong. I'm uh, owner of Danwith, a former Intuit tech support for um, 18 years or so. And uh, my motto is uh, transforming businesses through technology, and uh, that is what we're doing here today. And uh, the, the cool part about what it is that we're doing here today is is that you know because of the things that we 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 do in in QuickBooks, we can make quick work, and that's that's hopefully what we're going to take away today is is some of the things that we can do that's a little faster than uh, doing things manually because some of the tools that are in inside of QuickBooks. Uh, so upcoming events, uh, we have uh, some QB training events uh, at the, uh, uh, well, uh, actually next week, uh, next QB Power Hour, we're going to have creating batch transactions. So speaking of ways to make things happen faster, um, creating batch transactions inside of QB Desktop and QBL, and we're going to have a demo for, for, with our special guest from uh, Transaction Pro Importer. So. Uh, that's a great tool to, to add to your tool belt. Um, there are the PDFs of the slides. There's recordings that you can uh, check out online as well as the podcast. So if you need to listen on the go. Uh, so we do have some upcoming events uh, the, at the QB uh, training events dot com. Uh, there is a VCon and, and a Roadshow. So you can uh, join into some of the boot camp uh, virtual events there just by going to register at qbtraininginvents.com. So what's coming up for today, Michelle? Today what we're going to be talking about is um, that company file cleanup, some of the common mistakes that people make in QuickBooks and how to fix them. So we're going to be talking about, um, we'll talk about the overview that's available in, in QuickBooks Online that helps you to see things quick, quickly and easily, but we'll talk about finding and fixing mistakes with undeposited funds, opening balance equity, accounts with negative balances, some other things to look for, and we're going to be talking about desktop and online and pointing out if and when there are differences between the two. Um, so whichever product you're using, that's going to help you out. Let me go ahead and launch that poll question real quickly. Which one are you using? Are you using desktop, online, both, or NA? Maybe you're still a student and you're not really using either of those. Um, we'll also talk about reviewing accounts for common problems. You know, Dan worked in tech support. How many years, Dan? 18, almost 18 years, almost made it to okay. the 18-year threshold. So you so. have seen a lot of mistakes, mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> and I've been working with clients for a number of years, more than that. So he and I both have seen a lot of mistakes. So what we tried to do was pull out the most common mistakes that you're going to encounter, and we're going to talk about how to fix them. We'll also talk about how to fix a payment that's been received and deposited, but it was posted to the wrong customer. How do you fix that? Also then bank feed mistakes and how to fix some of those. So we got a good agenda for you all today. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and give you about 10 more seconds to finish this poll question. Um, which one are you using, desktop, online, or both? And I'm going to go ahead and close that. I'll share the results so Dan and everyone can see. We got 59% of you are using both desktop and online. 28% QBO only, and 18% are still desktop only. So very good. Thank you all for answering that. So I'm going to go ahead and hide that. So first of all, let's talk about um, finding some of these mistakes and stuff. And one of the things that I just love that's new, relatively new, in the last, I don't know, 
six months, definitely within the last year, is this new overview in QuickBooks Online. It shows you at a glance some of these things that we need to take a look at. And so in the left navigation bar, you'll see it at the very top where it says overview. When you click on that, there's two tabs, the client overview and business performance. That business performance is pretty cool. And two, it's doing a lot of really neat things there. But today we're gonna to talk about that client overview. And let me just go ahead and pop into QuickBooks and show you this. Um, if I can pull my QuickBooks up, here we go. So when I go into the overview tab, this is going to show me information on the company setup, which we aren't worried about right now. The banking activity, so you can look and see, you know, are they way behind? Like this one has 168 transactions that have not been dealt with, and so people are behind. So you can see the status of the bank accounts as well as when it's been reconciled or if it's been reconciled. Then this is where we can find some of those common issues or common mistakes that we're talking about. Undeposited funds is a big one, and Dan and I both are going to talk about that here in just a second. Um, undeposited funds, we'll, we'll talk about that, but you've got a link right here that shows you how many you have. Now, eight, that's not that much. That could be legit, um, but if you open up that register and you see things going in to undeposited funds and they're never coming back out, that's a pretty good indication that there's a problem. You can look for uncategorized assets, income, and expense. These are all things from bank feed where they just hit add and they didn't post it to a real account. They just let it go in as uncategorized. So very quickly through QBO, you can click on that, go in and find those things and fix those. It also helps you here. Um, the AR agings and the AP aging, you can see how old things are, if things need to be written off, things like that. Opening balance equity, that should be zero. Whether you're using desktop or online, it should be zero, and we're gonna talk about that in just a minute. Then also the negative accounts, negative asset and liability accounts, we'll talk about that more a little bit later. But I really love this new overview that we have available in QuickBooks Online. So I wanna make sure and share that with you. In QuickBooks Desktop, you need to run the balance sheet and go in and look at the balance for, let's say, undeposited funds and opening equity and things like that. So you'll want to double check some of those things. Um, and I have, I see people asking, how would you reconcile a clearing account, petty cash account, and a personal PayPal account? So the way that you would reconcile a clearing account, usually things are going in and out of there. And so you can reconcile that and you put in, let's say, the year-end balance and or year-end dates so or 1231 and a balance of zero. And you mark things off that have cleared. Um, so let's talk about the undeposited funds, though, because this is a common mistake that we see in desktop and online. But what usually happens is the client maybe had an invoice and then they received the payment and the payment goes into undeposited funds. Then they might look in their check register and they say, well, gosh, I don't see that in there. How come it's not in there? And they enter a deposit and they post it to an income account because it was income from a sale. So they enter a deposit posting it to the income account. So what happened was because they didn't do it correctly and go into the deposit window and select that payment that was sitting in undeposited funds, they just entered the deposit and put it directly to an income account. So that left the balance in undeposited funds and it doubled up on our income account because we had income on our invoice or the sales receipt and we also have income now on the deposit because we posted directly to an income account. So the way that we can fix this, if it's just let's say one or two of these, is pull up that original bank deposit check that payment that was received. So here we would put a check mark next to cool cars, then delete the line down here where they put it to sales of product income. So you have to do a little research and go find the deposits and figure out what they were doing out there. And so you see, oh, they posted it here when they should have just checked that payment that was received. So you delete this line and check that payment that was received. Now Dan's gonna show you in just a minute, in desktop, we actually have a tool that's going to help you to do this quickly and easily. It's one of the client data review tools. So Dan's going to share that with you in just a second. Now, what happens if you have a situation where you have way too many of these? I had a client one time where she knew something didn't seem right. And so she called me and come to find out there was like $150,000 worth of stuff sitting in undeposited funds. She had all these really small amounts from credit card retail sales. And so they had all these transactions out there. 
thousands of them. So what you need to do in those situations, if you have lots of undeposited funds that you need to get cleared up, you cannot fix this by doing a journal entry to undeposited funds. Because every time you come in to make a deposit, all of those payments sitting in undeposited funds are still going to pop up in the deposit window. So to get rid of it when you have a lot of them, and this is true for desktop and online, you do your research and you figure out what income account were they posting these things to. So in this example, we figured out they were posting those deposits directly into sales. So what you want to do is go through and choose all of those old payments. Now, in the situation I had, we had payments over a long period of time. So you might want to go back and group them by month or by year, um, depending on how many there are and for reporting purposes. So let's say you've got you know, several years of this and you might want to just do it by year. Or if it's just the past year, you might want to do it monthly. So what you would do, go in there and select all the payments, let's say for that particular month. Then you look over here and you see what's my total. So if the total of those payments for the month was 10750 I'm going to put a, a line here to the income account that they were posting to, put that in as a negative amount because they posted. What happened is we received the payment and it went up here, it's sitting in undeposited funds, but then they entered a deposit and posted it directly to an income account, the sales account. So we need to take it back out of the sales account. So we have the total here and then the negative amount, so your total deposit is zero your checking account balance isn't off. And that's why this client for a long time didn't know something was going on because they could reconcile the bank account. They only recorded that deposit one time. It was still sitting in undeposited funds. So when we do this, it will fix the overstatement in undeposited funds and the overstatement in that income account, and it does not change your checking account balance. So if, every, if everything's already been reconciled, everything is still reconciled, and you're not going to mess up your bank statement um, or your bank reconciliations or anything like that. So it's not going to cause any problems there. Don just asked that question. Hi, Don. Good to see you there. Um, he asked if that's going to cause problems with the bank account reconciliation. No, except when you do reconcile, you will see a deposit of zero in the bank rec window, just check it off as having cleared to get rid of that. Um, Dan, did you want to pop in now and show them yeah. Yeah, how it looks thing, in yeah, that tool? Thing, yeah, one yeah, thing I wanted to, wanted to mention is that, you know, finding uh, where they posted, uh, posted income too, because, uh, you know, clients think money's coming in, that's income. No, <laughs> they've, already reckoned, uh, they've already recognized that in their invoice. Uh, as as income, so um, the easiest way to find that is is to run a, a custom you know uh, or a transaction detail report. Uh, you can even do it on the on the general ledger report uh, for just um, uh, for just that account. But then you can sort it by type and look for deposits. So if you have a deposit posting directly into an income account. Uh, then that is typically the, the 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 prime suspect of of when you have that have this kind of situation, um, and then you can you know further take that report and and break it down by month so that you get your totals in there if you want if you need to. Uh, so I'm going to show my screen here. Uh, now bear with me. I'm on a different computer, uh, so this may be a little odd looking for me. Um, and hopefully it's not too bad as far as the screen resolution is concerned. Are you able to see uh, see the screen? I can see it. It is a bit small. Some people yeah. have asked, how can we get rid of the, the videos or the webcams? Mm -hmm. You can click on that bar and make the video feed the, the webcam. You can make that much smaller or get rid of it totally so that you can see more of the screen. Yeah, it's hard to hard to tell when we're presenting if you, what you're seeing. So thanks for the, the feedback there. Uh, so in uh, in QuickBooks uh, desktop uh, accountant version or enterprise, uh, you're going to have the ability to access these accountant tools. Um, if you're using accountant version, you're going to see that from the accountant dropdown. If you're not using an accountant version, uh, it's going to be available from the company menu. Uh, also, if you're logged in to your client as an external accountant, you'll also have access to these tools, even with Pro or Premier. So um, these tools are, are great uh, time savers um, because in this case, under client data review, we have 
uh, where did it go? I'm trying to find it now. And of course, it's even smaller for me to see. Uh, but here we go. Whoops. I had it here a second ago. No. There it is. Uh, clear up undeposited funds account. So same situation where you have uh, payments uh, being directly deposited or going to undeposited funds, and then you have a deposit that is going into sales. So if I drill in on that, we can see uh, this is the deposit. It's uh, for Christy Abercrombie. She had a, you know, posted the in interest income. So that's some kind of <laughs> that's that's a that's quite a quite an income account there, but. Um, cancel out of that. Um, and then there were two payments that made up that amount. So here on this tool, uh, you're going to have the uh, customers that QuickBooks is going to be able to, to determine from the deposits listed here. So you can go down through each each customer because you're going to need to uh, be able to, to assign these together. Uh, you would just then choose the deposit and then choose the payments that made up that deposit. And then when you, uh, I got some sidebars here. And then when you click on save, then it does that for you. Um, whoops, I got things in front of me that I can't see. <laughs> um, yeah, you would say yes to link them together and then they're gone. Uh, so now if we went and we looked at that deposit, uh, if I go back to, that was Christy. Uh, let's see if I can find her payment here. That was last year. Here's those payments. And we can go into the history and find that deposit. We can now see that it's correctly going through undeposited funds here um, as before it was posting to directly to the income account. Uh, so whatever the payment is applied to, which would be the invoice, then that's going to have the um, the correct posting of the of the income account there. So that's a really quick tool. I mean, it, a tool to to fix these really quickly, um, especially when you know, like what Michelle was saying, where you have maybe uh, you know far too many uh, payments. Uh, the nice part about desktop is that those payments are on a different screen uh, in uh, in QuickBooks Online. They're anything that's posting to undeposited fund that's waiting to be deposited ends up taking up a lot of the screen and then you you tend to lose it <laughs> not yeah. lose it not lose it with your client but <laughs> losing uh where you can actually uh choose what what account or what uh payments made up that particular uh deposit and dan um could you show them once again where to access that tool and we have a um one of these slides has a link mm -hmm. where Dan and I talked about a lot of um, the tools and the account tools that are out under that client data review. Um, but yeah. Dan, can you show that again? Yeah, so under accountant and then under client data review, it's a third option here, clear up undeposited funds account. Um, like Michelle was saying, we do have a, a whole um, a whole other webinar devoted specifically to the client data review. Um, where you can access uh, in all those tools that are that are in here, and they're really uh, some of them are really neat uh, time savers uh, in the desktop version. Uh, but yeah. you can go you can go into those individual tools uh, right out, right from that. So accountants version is going to have this accountant menu, and then you go to client data review, and then clear up undeposited funds. If you're in your clients. Uh, directly logged into their version of QuickBooks and it's not the accountant's version, uh, it's going to be under the company menu um, and there'll be just an, an additional menu option here for accountant tools and then it'll have that sub menu listed just like if you went to client data review. And we have the question, where is it in QBO? And unfortunately, we only have a couple of those accountant tools in QBO mm -hmm. that are in client data review. We don't have that tool. So that's why I've got these slides here um, mm -hmm. to show you. I'm going to take the control back, Dan, so okay. I can show them. Um, but you have these two slides here that shows you how to co co correct them 
mm -hmm. one at a time or in batch. And on the in batch where you're selecting a bunch of them at once, you can do that in desktop or in online. Either one of those will work. Um, but you've got slides showing you how to fix that. But that tool in desktop is very helpful. Now, the other common mistake that we have is opening balance equity. OBE is a clearing account for us to use when we're first setting up QuickBooks and putting those beginning and opening balances in there. And so um, it should be zero. After the setup process, it should be zero. Some common mistakes are when a client or you, when anybody, creates a new an account, a customer or a vendor or an inventory item, and it gives you the option to put in there the opening balance or the beginning balance. Do not do that. We should not use that field, and I wish Intuit would just get rid of that field. Because what happens is, if I set up an account with opening balance, let's say it's a new company and a new business, and we've got a new bank account with $500. If I put $500 in as my opening balance, it's going to put that it'll put $500 in the bank account and $500 in opening balance equity because it doesn't know what to do with the rest of it. So what you really need to do is delete that opening balance entry that was made for either a new account, customer, vendor, inventory item. And then what you need to do, if you, you've got your new account set up, you need to enter a transaction to post the deposit of that $500 to put it in there or the balance for the customer or the vendor or that inventory item. So you should never enter something as an opening balance when you're setting up a new account, customer, vendor, or an item, inventory item. So that offset goes into OBE. The other thing that goes into opening balance equity, and this is true in desktop and online on, on both on all of this, is if you go in and you make it inactive slash delete, because we know making inactive and delete is like the same thing, um, but if you have a balance sheet account or a customer or a vendor or an inventory item, if they have a balance when you make it inactive or slash delete it, it says, okay, I have to write this off and you didn't tell me where to write it off. So I'm going to put it to opening balance equity, OBE. So this is the common causes and reasons things get into opening balance equity. Now, um, I had a question out here that says, I have a client who posts some inventory adjustments to opening balance equity. How should I clean that up? So if, if they did a journal entry for inventory, Never, ever, ever, ever should you have an inventory journal entry because you can't post JEs to items and that will cause problems and discrepancies between your inventory detail and your general ledger balance. So I would delete those and enter them as an inventory adjustment. There is a, a little place where you click to actually enter an inventory adjustment. If they actually use the inventory adjustment form, but they posted it to the opening equity account, then what I would do is edit that inventory adjustment and change it from opening balance equity to like inventory shrinkage or inventory adjustments or something like that to a cost of goods sold account. Um, so there's a couple different ways that you can fix that. But um, so if they set it up with an opening balance entry, you would want to delete that entry that QuickBooks makes automatically posting it to opening entry, opening balance equity. Delete that entry and enter the appropriate transaction for it, like the purchase of inventory. If it's a customer balance, you'd need to enter that invoice to get the balance in there for the customer. If it was something that was made inactive with a balance, then what you need to do is, let's say it's an account that they made inactive and it had a balance. Make it active again. Adjust the balance, write off the balance however you need to. If it's an account, you can probably do a journal entry. If it's a, in a customer uh, accounts receivable balance, you probably need to do a credit to write that off. Um, so you go ahead and make the adjustment. Then you can make that account or customer inactive again to, to clean that up. Um, so hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, there's a question here. So like when you link a bank account to QBO, uh, whatever the start date of that the of the of the download uh mm -hmm. it, it it will automatically put a a journal or an, a, an entry to opening balance equity um so this also you know falls in line with okay if i'm doing a start date uh as of 12 31 2001 how, how do you where do you enter that in or, or recognize that line in the sand uh opening balance equity to if it's not to opening balance equity where should it go to yeah, so when, when you're setting that up in um, QuickBooks, when you set up that bank feed and it pulls in that opening balance for that bank, 
you need to delete that. Okay, we want to delete that balance that downloads from the bank. And if, um, so this is a really good point, you know, we talked about upcoming events. So tomorrow is Wednesday and Thursday, the 19th and the 20th, there is um, a VCon, a virtual conference. So you can sign up for that at qbtraininginvents.com. In module 12 of the advanced certification training, and you can take the advanced certification training and get the materials, even if you're not ready to work on that exam. But in the advanced training materials, module 12, where we talk about um, complex conversions, one section of that, that module includes how to set up beginning and opening balances. And it tells you how to go through and do your opening journal entry, enter all the open invoices, open payables, opening uh, outstanding deposits and, and outstanding checks that you might have. It tells you how to enter all these beginning and opening balances and close out opening balance equity so that everything is correct and it's set up properly and you've got your open receivables with your agings and everything. So module 12 of that advanced certification training, and again, that it's probably going to be on the, the Thursday, um, day two of that VCon, but they're doing core certification and advanced certification training in that virtual conference, and it's free. So I'd encourage you to check that out um, and go see that. Um, and somebody says, can't you journal entry this to retained earnings? So the there are some steps where you're doing journal entries for retained earnings as part of the setup process because you want to make sure your opening balance sheet matches the ending balance sheet from whatever it was you're converting to. All of that is covered in depth in that advanced training materials. We could spend you know a half hour on that, uh, but we don't have time. So I do want to point out here um, in that um, the overview in QBO, you can see you've got a link to where you can see opening balance equity at a glance, and you can click there to drill down into it. If you're using desktop, you're going to want to run the balance sheet and down in the equity section, click on opening balance equity to go look and see where those transactions are coming from. Was it a new customer? Was it a new account? And, and find out what it was and then you can fix those things. The other thing you want to look for is negative account balances where they shouldn't be negative. Let's say a savings account that has a negative balance. A credit card liability account that has a negative balance. So things that have a negative balance that really shouldn't be, it'll show us that at a glance in this overview here. However, in desktop, again, you're going to want to run your balance sheet, look through that for account balances that are negative when they shouldn't be. Now, in this example, you'll see this overview says, oh, accumulated depreciation is negative. Well, is that really a mistake or is that okay? Because accumulated depreciation is a contra asset account and it should be negative. So that may be okay. But this is going to give you something to go in and look at and double check those balances. Again, we're looking for common mistakes that our clients can make. So you'll want to review that for desktop and online. The other thing that you'll want to do and desktop or online is to review some of the detail on your balance sheet account. So look at the account register. So go into your chart of accounts and on the far right side, you'll see view register. So you can look at the register or you could run a detailed balance sheet. And what you want to do is look for things that are wrong. For example, undeposited funds. We talked about this already. If you see things going into undeposited funds, but never coming back out of undeposited funds, they're not doing it right. Fixed assets, look through the fixed asset and accumulated depreciation. Has depreciation been entered for the year? Have assets been recorded during the year? Any purchases? Look for sales tax payable. A lot of clients, when it comes time to pay their sales tax, they don't know how to use the feature correctly, and they just write a check, and they post it to sales tax expense or state tax expense. So if you look at sales tax payable, the balance may keep growing and growing, but there's never any payments coming out of it. Go look on the expense, and they probably have recorded those payments incorrectly. In, de in a desktop, one of your client data review tools is to find and fix sales taxes that were paid incorrectly. So you've got a nice tool in CDR that will find and fix those sales tax payments. In QuickBooks Online, you're going to have to fix those yourself. It's not going to do yeah. it automatically. Yeah, also, one thing yeah, about I mean, sales tax in desktop is handled completely different than it is in online. So, you know, really understanding the difference between the two and, and how those two are handled. Where it's, I mean, the major difference is QuickBooks Online handles everything through a sales tax payable account. 
and desktop will use items or group sales tax items or groups to to manage though the knowing how much is actually uh due at a certain period of time so um you know you can't do the same thing in quickbooks online as you would do in desktop if you're if you're doing both since you know the majority of our audience today is is doing both so one you know find one fix doesn't work as well as as uh, as the other but the same thing is going to going to handle you know when you're dealing specifically with with sales tax payable that um the the symptom is they wrote a check uh, either put it to a sales tax expense account <laughs> uh, yeah. which is not or uh, or they wrote a check to sales tax payable uh, which doesn't handle it the same way as a tax payment because those are uh, special transactions in in quickbooks yes yes and that is a very common mistake and and also along the lines with sales tax payable payroll taxes payable that are paid mm -hmm. incorrectly um, is also a problem and in the desktop cdr client data review there's something to find those payroll tax payments that are incorrect but it won't fix them the way that it does for sales tax payable unless that's been updated has it dan no it's so. uh, it's still the same uh, find them. right it'll find them yeah. identify them for you so that you can at least uh, find you know corral the usual suspects, and then you'll be able to um, you know manually make those changes, uh, much like you did with clearing out undeposited funds. You have a positive, a negative, and a zero dollar transaction. Uh, that's the same. That's the same way to handle that. Yes. Okay. And I went ahead and launched this poll question. What mistakes do you find most common? And I'm going to go ahead and close this poll question, and I'll share the results with you all. 14% of you OBE, 37% of you have undeposited funds errors, which is very, very common. 30% incorrect transaction entry, like sales tax or payroll tax, 12% bank feed, and 7% other. Very good. Thank you. And I bet you guys are knee-deep in client mistakes right now, aren't you? And um, so another thing to look for is in the loan accounts. Like if they, let's say, have a car loan. What you'll find a lot of clients do is they'll post it to car expense. Those loan payments, they'll post to an expense account. So look in that loan account. If you don't see any payments, principal, um, on those loans, you'll want to, you know, make sure you look for those on the expense side because they probably posted them to an expense account. You also want to take the interest expense and tie that out, your loan balance to the um, the amortization schedule so that you can allocate the principal and interest and things. Also the credit card liability account. Sometimes they'll enter credit card purchases, but when they come to pay the credit card bill, they just write a check and they write it to credit card expense, again, posting it to an expense account. So looking in the registers or looking in this account activity, if you see things always going in and never coming back out, then you know you've got a problem. Another common problem with um, the credit card liability is if they reconcile that pay, that credit card account and they say pay enter a bill to pay it later. All they're doing is moving the balance into accounts payable and if they're not paying it in full every month, that can become a real problem. Don't let them ever do that. I just don't ever use that enter a bill for payment later. It just causes more troubles than it's worth. So I just don't yeah. recommend that at all. Did you yeah, want to around, the, yeah, around the water cooler at, at Intuit, uh, credit card accounts was probably, you know, the, the the complete spectrum of what you could potentially do. You know, some sometimes when they get their statement, they just enter it in as a bill or straight as a check uh, or, <laughs> you know, they, yeah. there's a variety of ways and a lot of confusion about, you know, well, this is an account, a credit card account, and then I've got a credit card vendor, and I've got a credit card transaction. So there, there, there is a, it's a lot of opportunity. I guess it's a nice way to say it, <laughs> uh, to to educate your client on on the best practices and and the way that QuickBooks is is really designed to to be using that. Yes. Okay, um, now here's another example of something that can go wrong, and it can be kind of challenging to fix, um, is correcting a payment that was posted to the wrong customer. And I'm actually going to go in and demo this because it's much easier to explain if I can show it to you. So let me pop into QuickBooks. Um, and I'm in Larry's Landscaping. And so what we had, I'm going to go over in my customer area here. So we had a situation where we had an invoice. We received the payment. And so when we received the payment, it was under a customer. Um, let's go to transactions. 
We received the payment, let's say, of $500 in this example right here. It came in and we applied it to the invoice for a customer, but it really should have been applied to a new customer. So we had a payment come in. It was posted to the wrong customer and it was deposited. So now when I try to fix it, I can't fix it. So I come out here and I've got this payment for $500 here. Let's see if, it, if this was the one. Da, da, da. Okay, unapplied payment. So this one's not been applied to anything yet. Let's see, amount received. Yeah, this one's still open and not applied. Okay, so it was deposited. It must have been the other one. I set it up and now I can't remember which one I made wrong. So let's go in and look at a new customer and look at the transactions on it. And here's my invoice for $500. And, and the reason that you have to do this, Michelle, is, is because you've already deposited it, right? If it, if yeah. it hasn't been deposited, you can just go and change the name and, and, and make that you know, all right, right. With, the, with the world. But because you've deposited it, QuickBooks won't allow you to modify a transaction that's already been deposited. That's correct. And this will help me to find it, I hope. <laughs> so here's the deposit. Okay, so this was the one that was wrong. Oh, I had two A customers. That's what's throwing me off. This one right here for $500. Let's say this one, it's $500. It shouldn't be a customer. It should be a new customer. Okay, so it was posted to the wrong customer. It's already been deposited, so it won't let me fix it. So let me open this in a new tab, and I can show you that. It's coming up here. And uh, yeah, like Dan said, if it's if it's not been deposited, it's not a problem. But if it's already been deposited and cleared and reconciled, we don't want to mess that up. So I'm going to show you how you can fix this without doing it. So here's this payment that was received. You can see here it was already deposited. So if I'm trying to change it to a new customer, um, is it going to let me? It is going to let me. It usually does not do that. Huh. Okay, surprise. well, maybe it's <laughs> surprise, I know. So it, it did not it, used it, to do that. It, I don't know if in desktop. I, I noticed it that it was $0 or something. I, it, something changed in the, in the transaction itself, or was that? Okay, well, here, here's the way you can fix it. What you want to do is uncheck it here. So you're taking it off of your deposit. But when I do that, I change the amount of my deposit, and I don't want to do that. So what you want to do is come down here in this bottom under Add Funds and use a miscellaneous income account and put in $500. This is just temporary so that the deposit total is not changing. So if it was cleared and reconciled, it's still going to be cleared and reconciled. So then I can save this. So let's do save and close. Now I could go in and edit that payment and fix it. And then I can come back in and add it back onto that deposit and remove that line. So let's go back under a customer and let's go in and change it. Where's the $500? No, there's the invoice. Here's the payment. $500. This is a payment that was posted to the wrong one. And now I can fix it and post it to a new customer. And you're right. It changed it to zero. It unchecked these down here. So check, change it to the right invoice. Click save and close. Now I want to go back to that deposit again. And I want to fix the deposit now. So I'm going back into my deposit clicking up on my little clock to see previous and recent deposits. I pull it up. Now I'm going to choose a new customer up here, the $500 payment that was received. Should be, where is it? Oh, there it is, a customer. Down here then, I want to delete this line. So what you're doing, delete, there we go. We're not changing our total again. Okay, so what we want to do is we want to add a little line down here so the deposit total doesn't change. Uncheck that deposit or that payment that was received up here. Go fix it, then come back in, check it off again, and delete this line down here. And that will allow you to change who it's deposited or who it's posted to, which customer it's posted to. And in the PowerPoint slides, in case I confused you, here's a link that shows you how to fix that. And this is actually an old recording, but it's the same principle, and that was um, shown in desktop. Um, Dan, do you have anything you want to add there? Well, another another way that you could do that is then create, uh, you know, QuickBooks Online is, uh, allows you to have two accounts receivables on the same transaction. So, you, you know, one way that without, you know, if you, 
this is the most thorough thing to do, right? You 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 want to have it go to the right customer, uh, but you could do a transfer of the of the balance from one customer to the other. But you didn't have to go, you know, do that on one journal entry. Have one customer, uh, one customer's balance, and to to move it from the incorrect to the right person, and then you can apply those two transactions together so that you your aging reports are correct. Uh, in desktop, if you wanted to do that, do it that way, you would have to do two transactions because you can't have a transfer of balance on the same transaction. Very good. That's very good point there. So here in QuickBooks Online, I can do accounts receivable 500 and 500 for a customer and a new customer. And I don't know if I've got this going the right way or not. But I could do a journal entry to do that if I wanted to as well. So that's a good call out there, Dan. Although um, uh, 2020 actually has the ability to transfer credits between one customer to another. So uh, if you're on the latest version of desktop, you can do it as a, as a, trans, as a one fell swoop. Very good. That's a good point. I did not realize that. Okay. So that's something that happens and it's sometimes very difficult to fix. And um, so now let's talk about the bank feed mistakes. And I'm going to go demo um, in here under banking. And this is where it's so cool. Let's say your clients tried to help you out, right? Don't we love it when they help us out? <laughs> um, and also, while I'm showing you this, um, and we've got a couple more things to talk about, but if you have some specific questions, go ahead and type them in there. Dan and I are going to try to allow like the last 10 minutes for Q&A. So type in your specific questions in there too, um, and we'll try to help you. But let's say your client went through, and they went through and added or matched a bunch of transactions, and they did it wrong. The nice thing in QuickBooks Online is I can come in here under Reviewed and look at this, and if I can say, oh my gosh, all of these are wrong, I could come through here and check off all the ones that were wrong and just simply click undo. So I can do it in batch or I could do just one transaction. So let me clear all these. Let's just say this one for this rule for whatever reason was wrong. I can click undo and it will undo one of those. And what happens is when, it, when you click undo, it will either... If it was added, it will remove that transaction. If it was matched, it will unlink and unmatch, and it moves that back over to for review so that you can do you can do whatever it is that you need to do with those things. So it's quick and easy to undo in QuickBooks Online on the bank feed. The trouble is finding those that are wrong. <laughs> um, and one thing that's always nice is being able to see, you know, what it was added to or matched to. Sometimes you have to follow it down to see which ones were matched. If there's duplicates or something, which, you know, which one with payment was already matched to the invoice and here's a payment that wasn't matched and you, you delete that one instead of the one that's linked. So sometimes you got to do some searching to figure out which one to undo. Um, but Dan, you can't undo things like that in desktop, can you? <laughs> Yeah, still on uh, the bank feeds in in QuickBooks Desktop uh, pale in comparison. I'll I'll, I'll put, go on the record here <laughs> to to, uh, to to QBO um, just for this undo batch undo transaction. You can batch delete the transactions. Uh, you know if they came down or they were duplicated, um, but the the batch undo and and again that good call out there that you mentioned there is that. It will undo the action that was taken when you reviewed the transaction. So if it matched, it will unmatch. So it doesn't delete the transaction that's still in the register. But if it added it, it will undo the transaction and pull it out completely. Uh, so that's that's great when you have an overzealous client that just went in and added a whole bunch of transactions and didn't match them to on any existing transactions that you painstakingly entered in for them. <laughs> um, or, or needed to tie their their uh, their invoices together uh, with with payments that were deposited, and they just deposited them to the sales account. So this will help you, you know, when we're tying everything back to that undeposited funds account, you can just pull them back out and then and then rematch them as as needed in the bank feeds. Good, good tips there. Thank you, Dan. Okay, and somebody asked a question about how do you handle transfers in the bank feed. So when I'm in the bank feed, here you can see these online transfer savings. So you'll see this is a, a transfer that we have here. And you've got this little button here that says record transfer. Now, uncategorized asset, that's not the right account that I would be using. 
Um, so if it was a transfer, let's say from a bank account, in this example, it looked like it said a savings account, you would want to put savings account here. Where this becomes a problem a lot of times is when you're dealing with those credit card payments. What happens is sometimes people are entering the credit card payments twice. So what I recommend doing is when you pay the credit card, go ahead and enter that transaction in QuickBooks. So that way it's already in the bank account and the credit card liability account. So when the, the download, uh, when the clear transactions downloaded, it's going to match those transactions and you're not going to get any duplicates. Um, so a transfer is just between one balance sheet account and another balance sheet account. So it doesn't have to be a checking and a savings account or a checking and a payroll account. It could be checking and your credit card uh, liability account. So, but you've just got that button there for a transfer. You don't have to use a transfer if you don't want to. You can simply do it as add and you could still just choose the right account. So there's yeah, nothing magic about being a transfer, except that a transfer can only be balance sheet accounts. Yeah. Uh, but I could add this and simply have this as a savings account. I thought it was, yeah, I don't yeah, know why. Think, oh, I'm picking I, the, I'm not, I'm doing that <laughs> wrong. I'm at savings right there, sorry. It's hard to talk and type at the same time here. Oh, I, I um, hear you. The, uh, the, but the I can simply add that. Yeah, and the biggest challenge I think when you use when you use an ad is that if it 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 depends on the bank uh, the financial institution's perspective, right? So if you uh, if you're doing this on a bank account and this is a a credit card payment, that's going to appear as a check in your register, which will also then appear as a check in the register of the of the 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 credit card account. So when you have it even worse with it's a uh, if you choose the transfer and it's a and it's an increase to the account that's going to show as a deposit uh, so that deposit then will show on the transferring account as well so that causes confusion um, and that's why you might want to use transfer as opposed to you know uh, add because then you have the transaction type whether it's leaving or coming to the account will have will show on the opposite way so you have a decrease deposit on the other side of the account which can causes confusion especially on your in your client side it's like where how do, you, how do i have this negative deposit in my in my account it's like well that was a transfer um, and they're making that a little bit more easier for people to understand with that new transaction of pay down credit card because uh, that can then creates a transaction for you which is which shows up as that type of transaction to make that a little easier to understand. Very good, thank you. Okay, one other thing that I wanna talk about quick and then we're gonna finish up with some of these Q&A because there's several questions out there, but I wanted to make sure we reminded you um, to review your P&L accounts and stuff. We talked about reviewing your balance sheet accounts and looking for things that were posted incorrectly or not posted and things like that. We also wanna review our profit and loss accounts, your income and expense accounts. This is where the reclassified transactions tool, it's available in both desktop and online. It's one of the client data review tools in desktop. So we want to batch reclassify things um, to the correct accounts. So when you find things that are posted wrong, you can select five of them, 10 of them, or 50 of them and reclassify them or move them to the right account with one, one click. So it's super easy. Or you can actually reclass a class or you can assign a class. You cannot fix locations in here, only classes. Also, oh, we can now. use... You actually can now. You can now. That was just. You can uh, do locations now. Yes, I apologize. You, you can it's back, hard to stay. classify locations. <laughs> it is yeah, hard least, to stay up with all this. And now we have tags coming. <laughs> yeah, at least we weren't doing this uh, webinar yesterday when QBO was down. Oh, so. <laughs> don't say that. You might jinx us. Okay. Um, now, what about items? You, you can't reclassify items. So if you've got items, oh, I'm going to sneeze. No, bless you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> if you have items um, and you need to change the account mappings of your items, one of the things that I want to warn you about is so you can go back here under your items to change the account if you need to fix those things. So I'm going to go back under an item and my items list here, and let's go down into some service item. Let's just find something. Uh, there was bookkeeping. That's a good one. So on this bookkeeping, let's say I want to change the account that that is mapped to and where it's posting to. You can't change those in um, 
with the reclassify transactions tool. So if I come down here and say, okay, I don't want it to go, whoopsie, sorry, my phone just fell on my computer and messed it up. Um, if I wanted to change it, instead of bookkeeping, let's say I wanted it to go to just service to this income account. Once I click and change in a, a different account, this is going to show. Also update this in historical transactions. So you can fix things right here by changing the account mappings. Be very careful because it says update this in historical transactions. It will do that for all historical transactions. It doesn't say update this for this year's transactions and leave prior years that are closed and tax returns filed, you know, it'll mess up your closed period. So be very careful. This is an all or nothing. You can help me by asking into it by sending in feedback to make this also update this historical transactions as of this date. So as of January 1, 2020, I want you to fix it. I want you to leave all the prior years alone. So you can change the account mappings, but be very careful out here. This can and will change historical transactions. Okay? And from my, from my experience, a lot of people miss that checkbox because that's not that doesn't show up until you change the account because you have a drop down in front of that. You don't see that there was a change in the in the screen when you change the account so uh, just by looking right. at, at it that that checkbox isn't there and then you go to change it now you have a drop down in front of it and then you just and your eyes immediately go down to the lower right to save your changes you miss it completely uh, yeah. in that checkbox and then uh, that causes a call to support and I can tell you that yeah <laughs> it's not changing <laughs> yeah, so you got to watch because right there is where that will show up. So you, as you could see there, you didn't see it until I changed that. If I put it back to bookkeeping, it goes away because that's what it was. But as soon as I pick any other account, that box pops up there for you. So pay attention to that because we do. That's one of the things we do want to do at year end is to check the account mappings and make sure things are mapped to the proper account. And one of the things I always like to do, whoops, I want the little gear, the grid gear, is come in here and change so that I can see all the different accounts here. So you can see the income, the expense, and the cost of goods sold account, um, or the income expense and the inventory account as needed. So there was a previous webinar that we did on those accountant tools, including reclassified transactions. Here's the link where you can go in and find that, um, that you can watch that again. And then... Um, there was a great question out here. They're talking. Somebody had a question about the, the client is paying for things on their personal credit card. So the client paid a supplier bill on their personal credit card, and the bill is on QBO. How do you enter payment? One of the things that I like to do for owners that I, you know, we try to tell them keep business and personal separate, but they never do. I like to have a due to owner liability account. It's just like a credit card account, kind of like a revolving line of credit. So you can have a due-to owner account. So in that situation, the you can use the owner to pay that bill, and then you reimburse that owner using that due-to owner account. Um, and you could also set up a due-to, um, if the client's doing this a lot, set it up kind of like a credit card liability account where you can reconcile it if you want to zero it out every month and reimburse the owner or things like that. Um, so use a due-to owner account um, for some of those things, or you can use the um, owner's draws if it's a sole proprietor. Um, but I usually like the due-to owner to keep some of those things there and keep them separate. Um, Dan, do you see any questions out here that you'd like to, to answer before I keep going on? Yeah, there was uh, there was one about the unapplied cash uh, payment, and I I think we I'm trying to remember the webinar that we we talked specifically about that. I think that was on reporting. It was a report. Uh, yes. Yeah, and that um, that technically should be a wash account, you know, and uh, that so if you apply something, especially when the dates are askew and the report is inclusive, and it's only a cash basis uh, profit and loss that you'll see that that uh, that account being utilized uh, it's usually when you have a, a date issue between the payment and the invoice where the payment is dated prior to the invoice that it's paying so it will wash through that account uh, only on a on a cash basis uh, so that account should be zero and you will see potentially a payment and an invoice only if the date range of the profit and loss that you're looking at encompasses both the the, the the payment and the invoice 
so that, uh, again, uh, you probably want to look at <laughs> the reporting uh, tips that we, uh, webinar that we, we looked, uh, that we, we dived into that a little bit uh, deeper, but that's, that's the basic gist about uh, unapplied cash payment and unapplied cash expense uh, when you do see both of them. Okay, and one of the things somebody asked about, I have a client um, that doesn't assign a payee, like the bank fees. Can you require them in the bank fees to assign a payee name? And you cannot require them to assign a payee name. However, if when you're in your accountant or your client dashboard here, if you click on the client's name to go into the client detail page, so I'm going to go into the detail for Larry's Landscaping, and I click on bookkeeping, you're going to see bookkeeping alerts out here. Over here is where you would see if there's a transaction without a payee. Now, on that one, it didn't have it. Let's go into another one and see if we can find one. You will see an alert, though, on transactions without a payee name, and you can click on that so that you can go down to those specific transactions to follow up with that. But part of that is just client training um, and training your clients to do that. Um, oh, I went into the client. I meant to go into the client detail. The uh, And My also, to, while you're going back to the right place, the um, the new efficiency score that's that's supposed to be coming out with uh, with QBOA that uh, we're talking about at QB Connect uh, will give you access points to that, um, and that's part of the efficiency of doing things automatically. So when you do have a payee, um, transactions without a payee could cause uh, issues, and that's that's where you can then. Um, access those things to be able to, to speak to your client about that or, um, you know, work with your client to make sure that those things get, get entered. Uh, Venmo is another one of those uh, things that is just horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't, doesn't give I, you enough not... information to tell what it is. Um, and then it's money coming in and out and, and then you got to sit down and it's a, it's a real time sucker. Yes, yeah, and I'm not seeing any of those, but right now it would show up right over here It'll as um, missing a payee name, and you click on that review now, and it will show you what that is. Another question that we had was using receipts, should we enter them first and create the expense or wait until they come through the bank seat? What I recommend is when you're working with purchases, so credit cards, you know, usually they're using a the credit card or it could be a debit card. I usually like to teach them to take a picture of it. So if you go into um, the receipt area, you can actually use the receipt function within QuickBooks or use that mobile app to capture that receipt. So go ahead and use that that tool that we have available to us or let them come through the downloaded transaction and, and set up rules for those credit card purchases because a lot of times they're, they're buying stuff from the same places over and over again. You can set up rules. I would not enter those transactions individually. If they're doing like, let's say, accounts payable, where they're entering bills and they're paying bills, then those things are going to be entered in QuickBooks first, and then they'll match the bank feed when it comes through. But this new receipt capture that's available in QuickBooks, you can teach your clients to take a picture, so they've got their phone with them all the time, they can pull this up and use the QBO mobile app, which is included with the subscription. They can take a picture of that receipt, and it's going to have that, and it's, it can enter that, and you'll see all of that down there. Um, and then that way you've got things in QuickBooks that can match the, the transactions when they come through the bank feed. Um, and these are all things, if you haven't learned a lot about bank feeds and things like that, I really encourage you to attend the VCon uh, tomorrow and Thursday because they're going to have training and talk to you a lot more in depth about some of this stuff. Um, we are almost out of time, Dan. Another question that you wanted to answer for someone? Um, yeah, just some people were, I mean, asking some things about uh, things that we had already discussed. So uh, if you do need to go to um, and, and review some of the, the, the things that we've done in, in prior, so like we talked about the the um, the business, uh, I can't remember now what it's called, but the, <laughs> uh, the, the, the tool is coming out in QB, QBOA uh, to be able to the da you know, enhance the dashboard and, oh, the efficiency score. That's what I was, <laughs> um, we talked about that in a, a QB Connect uh, follow-up. Um, if you go to qbpowerhour.com uh, under archived uh, webinars, uh, you can click on the, uh, there's a whole list of, of, of pre-recorded. There's also uh, Michelle's YouTube channel. 
uh, where we've done a lot of them in the past. Uh, but in the uh, the GoToWebinar here allows us to be able to to put them on uh, on the on the GoToWebinar staging area that uh, that that is called, and you can go in there and find. And we'll put the featured ones. Uh, usually, the last few ones are, are featured ones, and you can and you can review those. Uh, as well, and uh, the, it also allows us to do chat uh, or the the transcripts of the of the webinars as well. So you can look at the transcripts, uh, do a Control F on your computer, find the term that you're looking for, and then that'll give you the idea of where it is in the video as well. Very good. And then um, a couple of other things that I wanted to to do. This is this is a really good tip. So somebody had a question about adding payees for random transactions transactions can clutter the vendor list. Is it still best practice to have a payee for every transaction? So what I like to do in that situation, so for example, if you have a client um, that has lots of gas, let's say they're buying gas from Shell and from Mobile and from uh, BP Gas and Wawa and wherever else they're buying gas, what I like to do is set the vendor name up as gas station. And then in the bank feed with their credit card, I'll set up a rule that says if the payee name is mobile or shell or bp or whatever you can do five of them then post it to gas station and you want to make sure that it copies the bank description onto that transaction um, you can do that in the banking area under the rules you can tell it to do that so if i click on uh, the bank area see where it says um, show bank details whoops no copy bank detail to the memo so under the bank feed, click on this little baby gear down here, copy bank detail to the memo, and that way it's going to put it there, and that way you can set up a rule that says post this to gas station, post this to restaurants, post this to you know hotels, because you're right, we don't want our vendor list to be too long, so you can use a generic vendor name in those situations and set up bank rules, um, and that's going to help you manage that vendor list so it doesn't get unwieldy. Um, Dan, any last comments? Because I see we are out of time. I can hang around a few more few more minutes. Yep. Um, those of you that need to get off, let me just remind you, right here is where you can go to qbtraininginvents.com and register for the VCon. I will be in the chat area helping answer questions. Um, and so the VCon's going on tomorrow and Thursday. You can attend all the sessions and get free CPE. You can attend just the sessions you want to. You can get certified. You can attend the advanced training um, to learn more about that stuff, even if you're not ready for the exam. So go to qbtraininginvents.com. Don't forget to join us on March 3rd for creating batch transactions. Um, we're going to have Transaction Pro Importer, and this is huge time saver uh, for some of us. So we really would like you to join us for that. Um, so those of you that have to go, thank you very much. Um, Dan, any other comments or questions that you wanted to cover quick? Oh, no. The uh, I mean, the one thing that we kind of glossed over a little bit was the rules, um, the, the bank feed rules. Um, that's that's going to be, uh, I mean, if you can manage the rules uh, for your for your you and your clients and you can export rules and, and you know, use them across clients, um, you know, you can help. The, your clients uh, or or and yourself, you know, manage these transactions. You know, put them into um, a, a particular account when 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 they're un unrecognized and and things of that nature, so that it it helps you and your clients get uh, get comfortable working together. And um, the rules themselves are going to allow you to you know take a lot of the the guesswork out of those transactions as they as they come in. And where do they go? Um, uh, I, just, I just love the look on a on a client's face when you when you get them working in the bank feed with the rules, and they just go click click. I'm done. All right, let's move on to something that's more important. Yes. And that's where you save yourself and your clients significant amounts of time when you take the time to go in and set up these bank rules. Um, and now here's another tip for you before we. We, we end here. Those of you that have shoebox clients that are coming you, to you and they say, I want you to do my taxes, and they haven't done anything all year. This is where you'll want to go to the bank or the credit card accounts. You download all those transactions for the last 12, 13, 14 months. When you import all those into QuickBooks Online, those are all going to be sitting under banking. 
And when you set up those rules, so if I set up a rule, let's say, for the, the rent every month or for the utility bills or things like that, it's going to apply that rule to all 12 or 14 months of activity that you have there. And now that rule set up moving forward. So you can process a whole year of activity in a fraction of the time. That's why we want to do value pricing. Um, but set these rules up out there. And again, you can learn more about this um, under the certification training for core certification or the advanced certification. Um, you can go out and play with it in that sample company and set up rules out there as well um, so that you can kind of get more familiar with it. But those are huge, huge time savers. Okay, anything else, Dan? No, I think uh, yeah, we, we do have some questions about the uh, – you know the receipt capture um you know and how that how that works um we probably should maybe go into uh do that on, on a future qb power hour uh, webinar and really really drill down how this feature actually works that's a great idea why don't we do that um maybe the the one after the first week of march we'll do that the the next mm -hmm. one Yes, Mary says yes. Please do. <laughs> okay. We will do that. <laughs> yeah, and you can go into um, into qbpowerhour.com and suggest. You know, make it give us a suggestion of what it is that you want to see. Um, you know, drilled out here so that we can, uh, you know, make this as educational for you and and sometimes it is for us too. You know? Yeah. <laughs> sometimes we learn something uh, on the webinar. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Deborah wants to know, is there a VCon for advanced recertification? I am not positive if the recertification is in this VCon or not. Go out to QB training events and double check. Um, I'm not sure if they have the recertification going on or not. Um, so you can go check that out. Um, and they do always have webinars ongoing throughout the month if you're looking for the recertification as well. So qbtrainingevents.com. And Danielle says, along with receipt capture, more training on bank rules. All right. We will we will do one on all of that stuff. Um, all right. So, we'll probably just spend a whole time on the bank feed in, in QBO and what we can do. Yes there that's always that's always helpful for people so all right well thank you everybody for joining us thank you dan uh, again for for being here and filling in and helping out and being a part of qb power hour we couldn't do it without you <laughs> thanks it was great to see you again hope everybody has a great day thanks everyone we hope you enjoyed listening to the qb power hour podcast if you have any questions feel free to ask them in our facebook group you can find those resources and much more at qbpowerhour.com.